Welcome to episode 7 of African Intel Affairs. I am your host, Pilani Klamini. For this segment of our series, I have the pleasure to host Ismahan Adawe from Somalia for an in-depth conversation on the progress in building state institutions, which includes those in the security sector of the country. But we also get to delve into the technical nitty-gritties of restoring institutional functionality within the current political climate of Somalia. Ismahan has an extensive career in governmental, intergovernmental, and non-governmental sectors where she has served in key strategic programming roles for a number of notable institutions. In this capacity, her work has catered to universal healthcare, internally displaced persons, security sector reform and stabilization, and conflict resolution. Ismahan formerly advised the Ministry of Interior and Federalism in Somalia on peace and stabilization, and she earned this honorable role due to her prior experience in contributing to the reconstruction of Somalia's public finance management domain. She is known amongst research communities for, for the chapter Luma Dhaka, Political Inclusivity in the Somali Urban Context, which she co-authored with Ken Menkhaus in the book War and Peace in Somalia, National Grievances, Local Conflict, and Al-Shabaab. A disclaimer before we formally begin, Ismahan uh, was invited in her personal capacity and as such does not speak on behalf of any of the organizations in which she is currently engaged, whether it be for formal roles, consultancy, nor does she speak for the government in any capacity now that she is no longer working directly in such projects. Ismahan, thank you for taking the time to sit with us. We could start our conversation by you giving an overview of your experience so we can better understand your role in the security sector formation project in Somalia. Thank you very much. Uh... Uh, for g giving me the opportunity to be part of uh, your interview. Uh, I am now based in Somalia. My name is Ismahan Adawe. I work for a non-governmental agency in off-the-grid villages and regions. Prior to that, I worked for the World Bank on their school sector reform uh, for, uh, program. Basically, we worked on the registration of the Somali National Army to help the Somali government have a headcount on their active soldiers and have a payroll system in which they are able to pay their military directly from a bank account in which, therefore, they have a monitor and an oversight on financial movement from a bank to the soldier. This was then going to help the Somali government to qualify their um, debt relief agenda, which is one of the milestones that was, that was required from the government to meet by the IMF bank. So my role basically was to coordinate the team from the World Bank and the Somali government officials, including the, the ministers, 
dealing with this, uh, mainly the ministers of finance, ministry of interior, ministry of internal security, and at the time, office of the prime minister, which had the political oversight, and then the military and the police units. So the Somali National Army and the Somali uh, police forces. Uh, the main objective after having a payroll and, and HR system was to find a way to uh, create a pensions reform for those who have retired and uh, create an orphanage package for those who have passed away when they were in duty for the military or for the police. As you understand, Somalia has had a, a civil war for 22 years and then a government of Somalia was set up uh, early in the 2000s and the country has lost its more, most of its institutional functionality uh, under the, when the government of Seattle was overthrown. So payments uh, to either civil servants or to military was done in cash. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So the, yes, it was done in cash and often, uh, often then susceptible to corruption, corruption yeah. or mal usage. Uh, so the World Bank wanted, the World Bank then had this initiative uh, to work in the public financial management for the Somali civil service. They have succeeded that. So the Somali civil service uh, from, I think, um, from 2014 was able to get their payment directly into their bank account rather than being paid from uh, ministries of finances in each ministry. Now it's a centralized uh, payment system. So the World Bank then wanted to take that further and then uh, move that into the, um, into the uh, military uh, because Somalia's military is being formed and uh, it's it's an area that also equally needs to be de developed. So so the World Bank then, from a governance side, uh, not not through a security side, uh, had the mandate to get involved in public financial management, and then this time with with the military institutions, so that they also have uh, the, the benefits of the civil uh, service, which is. HR system, uh, bank payment, and on-time bank payment, which which can then be monitored, and then the Somalia government itself then can show that to the World Bank and IMF, and and have the um, the auditity the the ability of audit to say that they are able to make payments, in which then uh, they will be able to qualify for the debt relief, which, which Somalia has entered into. You make mention of significantly fundamental undertakings, which begs a question on the current state of affairs as far as the state building agenda of the federal government and what it's taking to restore Somalia's security sector institutions, really for the purposes of a general overview. you know. What can be said about the progress that has been made so far? Somalia, or the, the federal government of Somalia, is dealing with a lot of um, 
issues. One of it that is just equally as important is for the country to reach a political consensus. Mm -hmm. As you know, Somalia has adopted a new political governance infrastructure, which is federalism. Mm -hmm. uh, with that, in that comes where security sector also is not something that is only led or dealt in by, uh, by just the, over, the, the overall top leadership. So it's not just under the, the president, but it's also under, uh, under the agreement with the governors or the presidents of the federal member states. Somalia does not have a completed constitution. So you have a fluidity of movement mm -hmm. uh, that, uh, of the uh, political system that has an impact on the security system. So the security sector now, coming back to the security sector, which has, I think, four units, you have the intelligence, you have the military, you have the custodial, and you have the police. They also have their own subunits in all the federal member states. There are five federal member states at the moment. Therefore, the functionality of each unit, whether it's human rights, whether it's um, headcount of uh, um, uh, the, the medical units, whether it's the active units of uh, the, the active war engagement unit, or uh, the marine unit, because Somalia has the longest uh, coastline of mainland Africa now, that sadly is exposed to illegal fishing, piracy. So you're looking into a very large uh, security umbrella that has just begun to reform itself. Okay. With that comes the align. Uh, with with that also it comes with the alignment of the top political leadership of, of of Somalia to agree into a political system, which then after that agreement is is done, then aligns itself uh, to the military units or the security units. Uh, of the country so that they can then ultimately adopt the same mandate that looks into uh, the safeguarding of human rights, access to uh, fair justice in the case of malfunction from the security units, and then the overall governance of it too, which has a linkages to the overall governance and the functioning of the Somali institutions. So it is, it's a grand reform, but it has multiple stakeholders, mm -hmm. right? Somalia is a country that is receiving military support from its Africa, uh, from, from its African Union. Uh, and then it's also a country that is receiving military assistance and training from non-AU. Uh, be it the Americans, uh, the Turks, and the EU that funds Amazon, and I think to a certain level, the Somali government in order for it to be able to sustain its security institutions. So at some point, I think there will have there will need to be, and this is just me as somebody who's worked in this area, not somebody who's speaking for the government. At some point, there has to be uh, some sort of an agreement from all from uh, troop contributing 
countries of the AU, the uh, and those who are outside of the AU, whether they are like whether they are your traditional ones, i.e., the Americans and the European Union, and the non-traditional ones, the UAE, Qatar, and Turkey. So you so basically what what needs to happen at some point is uh, an MOU between all the stakeholders in order to move the security sector reform agenda forward. Well, you know, uh, it does definitely paint for quite a complicated picture. Um, and of course, having many stakeholders and trying to appreciate all of them is, I can imagine something very difficult to achieve, but not impossible nonetheless. And also but... you're dealing with a government, sorry to cut you off, uh, you're dealing with a government that is also having to hold elections. Somalia has entered a phase of elections. Uh, so also sustaining institutional memory that is capable of, of focusing the, the, the importance of security is also needed. So yes, it, it is, a grand ambition for all those interested in Somalia. But it's also, like I said, an opportunity to make Somalia a success Story. case. Because uh, at the back of Somalia's uh, unfortunate civil war and the destruction of, of the country and the collapse of the government gives now this new hope that that things can be built from the ground zero and it can be molded in something that is fully 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 functional and and has all the elements needed to set up a successful security all right government function this issue of political consensus is particularly contentious because of the different viewpoints that can be spewed out depending on who you are. You've obviously made mention of stakeholders and uh, in my opinion I can attribute that to your more programmatic inclinations working in, in, in the non-governmental sector where you seek this peace-building approach uh, which is based on negotiation, mediation and at the arrival of mutually beneficial solutions. However, there are viewpoints out there which point to political consensus being achieved by brute dominance, which is several political actors emerge as the more dominant part, uh, parts and uh, others submit to the rulemaking of the dominant force and that becomes the order of the day. However, for the purposes of our conversation, we're going to confine my next question to you, um, to the federal government of Somalia's viewpoint and the security dilemma which it, it currently experiences, especially as far as security sector reform is concerned. That how is Somalia balancing the act of restructuring the security forces while it's actively engaged in a conflict? Are those not conflicting pressures for the state building project overall, considering you just mentioned how many external stakeholders are contributing to the strengthening of the military, of the police force, and other sort of civilian uh, sections? I think, uh, like a lot of things in Somalia's state formation, we need to look into political settlement, first of all 
think any government that comes in will have to look into achieving a consensus between all the stakeholders in Somalia, the, the political stakeholders. And when, once that is then concluded and we come to a formation of a uh, well-documented, uh, well-showcased uh, constitution that satisfies all Somalis and that is fair to all Somalis, then I think we can look into addressing the sidelining issues such as security. Yes, there are at the moment, the infrastructure that exists is that the FGS, the federal government of Somalia has its own forces and they are an amalgamation of uh, militias that are now uh, vetted and then formed as part of the SNA, the Somalian National Army. So they're no longer militias, so they're under a payroll. And then you have the commando units that are being trained by the Americans and the Turks. Underneath that, you have the federal member states who, that, uh, who, who have their own uh, uh, Darwish units. Currently, there isn't much of an issue between the Darwish and the SNA communication in terms of uh, working together. There are, in some cases, political misunderstanding, let's say, between the, the president of a particular federal member state and the president of the FGS. And then, then, then there is a friction or there is a formation of a friction between the Darwish and the federal member states. Uh, sorry, between the Darwish and the SNA. Not that the two are facing one another in a front line, but they are also used as a political tool. Again, now we're looking into the, the political instability and the power sharing of the country. A lot of things I think in Somalia has to be settled once we have a clear power division in between the federal member state or the governors or, or the presidents of the federal member states and that of the government. And then we come into then building a security uh, service industry for by the government, led by the government which also then the federal member states are part of the uh, of the FGS. And then, and then you have a unified, let's say, terms of reference for that particular security unit, in which then they are able to operate under one, uh, one, uh, one leadership. At the moment, that does not exist and often is to is the role is the is the root of some level of uh, of uh, conflict. Not necessarily uh, like the, between the uh, army units, but the leadership. So there are not uh, clear uh, rules of leadership because it's not in the constitution. It's not in the government. Uh, framework with regards to security sector. So that needs to be built in. And again, uh, on the positive side, Somalia is coming from the ashes. It's, it's rebuilding itself. So I think 
the screen sector has the advantage to get it right because it's it's faced with a challenge uh, so far that I think no other African country has gone through because Somalia was a centralized unit in the past under Siad Barre, in which case all the military he was the, like Siad Barre was the head of it. Now we have a federal uh, governance infrastructure, so therefore we have to come up with a solution that that looks into addressing our ambitions for security system that agrees with the new federal system that we have adopted well ismahan to lend more focus to this issue of fragmentation as you've described the divisions within the key security actors of the country based off of political leadership that lacks a consensus, as you've been saying repeatedly, and therefore is not converging in terms of the priorities of their security organizations. What is left to really be put into perspective, though, is the other informal actors what we can consider non-state affiliated actors, these regional forces and local militias, which are not aligned to the federal government of Somalia or any of its extended partners, and therefore functioning on their own terms. This, of course, includes the terrorist organization Al-Shabaab and private security companies, which are also a part of this security complex. What impact do you see this entire influx of actors having on the security sector reform and peace and stabilization process? Yeah, I mean, Al-Shabaab, it's a unit that clearly at this particular moment benefits from the uh, fragmented Somali security uh, of a unified framework. Uh, Al-Shabaab operates freely in most of Somalia. Mm -hmm. It operates, it's able to commit uh, horrific attacks in Mogadishu. Uh, so therefore, without a unified approach to fighting Al-Shabaab, we will still have Al-Shabaab units being able to operate and tax and commit crimes that lead to the death of a lot of civilians. Um, well, the bottom line basically is uh, we cannot, the way we have now evolved, Somalia is not going to have a system, a, a centralized system because because we have become a federal system. We need to negotiate what type of federal system we will be, whether it's a centralist federal system like in Ethiopia, or whether we have something slightly different because Somalia has emerged to become a country whereby we have federal member states whom the leaders of these federal member states now call themselves a president even though we have a president. So even the name or by name of association, you can see there is a power struggle. Yes, yes, right? yes. 
with underneath that, there's a political struggle, which has, uh, even though a lot of people feel it has a clannish uh, ideology with it, but I don't particularly think that is the case. The clan is something that is there, but I think there is a political hunger, there's a political power struggle that at some point a Somali government will have to address, whether it's through the constitution, whether it's just trying to satisfy the individuals, whether it's just a gentleman handshake, uh, but we're not, we're not there in all of those levels. And that sadly has an impact on the security functional units, however. And okay. yeah. So, but so what we do have today is that the federal member states do have their Darwish units, and the Somali National Army are also present in the federal member states. In some areas, they are seen as one. In some of the federal member states, they are not seen as one because some Dar the Darwish tend to be more loyalist to, a, uh, to the president of that region. Therefore, they not necessarily are under the command of the government, but that is not true for other from, uh, for some of the other federal member states. The Darwish tend to be embedded quite well with their SNA units, and then they work quite well. Again, political settlement has to take place. And also what you have noted at some point, and a strong leadership has to emerge from that. At the moment, it's one that is being challenged and fragmented. This brings us to the work that needs to be done. At present, there's a lot of questions in terms of the sustainability of current projects which are looking to increase state capacity in Somalia. And for you who's worked in a very programmatic capacity, I expect you'll understand that Somalia's security operations are very expensive. And how feasible is it for the country to sustain these? But also, I'm asking this primarily because institutions like the African Union and the European Union are all eager to see a final day when they do get to withdraw and leave the state of Somalia in the safe hands of its own people, governing the institutions, running the security sector, and really taking also the financial responsibility to, to do so. And while this is central, there's still a lot of work to be done. And if you could just give us a really, really quick dive into some of the things that you think need to be focused on at this point in time, fundamental aspects which could be targeted to deliver this reality where Somalia finally is on the path to not needing these external partners. To begin with, you need to have an institution with a, uh, with a rigorous functioning public financial management, in which case then you have a, a biometrically registered military personnel, the police, the national, sorry, the National Intelligence Agency, and then, uh, and then as well as the civil uh, service. Basically, for Somalia to eventually come out 
and have its uh, and have a control of its uh, security functions, it needs to build its institutions. Security yes. sector does not exist. It is not any different to the Ministry of Health or the Ministry of uh, of uh, of Labour. Uh, fundamentally, it's it's a unit that has the function, right? And so, from an institutional angle, it all it takes the same amount of reform. Or okay, it, it may be slightly different, but it takes the same amount of e effort and commitment and the political will from the leadership. When it comes to the uh, the, um, the departure of Amazon from Somalia, it at some point it will be an staged process. It has to happen, but you know, as you have, let's say if you have a contingency of Amazon troops leaving a particular area, you need to replace that with as uh, with the equivalent uh, that is a Somali national uh, army or a Somali national police force, right? Uh, yeah. In some areas, I think there there is some capacity. In, in other areas, maybe that capacity is not there, and in which then we need to have a transitional plan which is being developed and and that is going to be then implemented once that transitional uh, framework is agreed so it's not like a magic wonder that amazon just ships itself out one day it's it's something that will require a process and and then the the like the donors uh, who are behind eu uh, sorry, who are behind the Amazon funding, which I think mainly the EU, uh, will have to find a phase in which they address that uh, transitioned exodus of Amazon. So it will require, again, a framework that, that includes all the stakeholders. But uh, having said that, I mean, Amazon has been in Somalia, I think, uh, over nearly uh, 13 years now, I believe. It has made a lot of development in securing Somalia. However, we still have Al-Shabaab. So I think a new framework for uh, fighting against terror uh, groups has to also be developed, whether it's then implemented by Amazon or by the Somali security units. I don't know, but now I think there has to be a phase to deal with Al-Shabaab. I believe that security sector reform or, and uh, effectively functionalizing the security sector is one of the most important uh, governance infrastructure for Somalia, because we do have a security challenge in the country. You know, do you... Uh, I don't know if many people are aware of this, but in Somalia today, there is not a civil war. The clans are not fighting anymore. No unit is challenging the government. The government does have, however, security units that are, uh, that are accredited, that are funded, that are supported. However, they need to be empowered more 
and the external security uh, or organizations that we have, such as the Amazon, should also, I think, reprioritize its focus into fighting Al-Shabaab. So yes, Somalia ultimately to take over the role of Amazon will need to have a fully functioning security sector, which, which obviously security sector reform from the public financial management, management, which I was involved in is very important. But I think empowering that and enhancing that, yes, well, we, we've just started that, the World Bank's part of it. So that at least it's a good commitment from the government to say that they are addressing it, but it needs to continue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. it needs to continue. And along the road also, there will be other reforms that will take mm -hmm. place, but that road has to take place. I mean, that, that reform has to continue and has to be enlarged so that ultimately the country will have a robust unit, security unit that functions. I mean, also it has, it has basis to the economic output of the country and the commodity, you know, I mean, now let's say uh, a lorry with goods that leaves Mogadishu that is dest destined to reach one of the main cities like, like in Baidawa, you know, it, it's taxed along the way. It's taxed by, uh, by Al-Shabaab. Even more so, it's taxed by the Somali National Army. You know, you, you have the federal government and then you have the, uh, the federal member state militia, or, uh, such as the Darwish. You know, they, are, they take taxation. And by the time that lorry reaches uh, that particular city, it has to... Uh, take into consideration the taxes that it had that it had to pay then you have a commodity hike right so security not having a unified security system leads to also creating more poverty and induces more conflict right so I mean, security itself, I mean, security, it's something that we cannot ignore. And I think a focus, you know, uh, from the African Union, the EU, you know, has to be how to secure Somalia, whether it's rebuilding its army or, you know, whether it's supporting Amazon, at some point we have to address securing Somalia's uh, territory from, from Al-Shabaab, from bandits, but making sure that the land can be traveled and it's safe. Because at the moment, most of it, it's not. Isman, this conversation with you has been so important and it really has been an opportunity to highlight the intricacies of Somalia's current security malaise. We'd like to thank you for tuning in all the way from Mogadishu. And in light of the recent uh, a terrorist attack in Mogadishu. I sincerely wish you safety as you continue to do your very important work on the ground. To our regular audience, thank you. Until next time.